Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. You guys know who've been listening to me for a while that I cannot have enough conversations about leadership and all that that implies. Today's conversation promises to be yet another thorough examination of how to be better, stronger leaders. Going to be a great conversation. Let's say hello to our guest. Her name is Angela Siebeli. She is the CEO of Personify Leadership and the author of a new book that we're here to talk about called The Courageous Leader, How to Face Any Challenge and Lead Your Team to Success. Angela, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. Uh, the pleasure is mine. I appreciate uh, you making time to join me. I know you got this book out, so you're awfully busy getting that off the ground. Uh, before we get into a conversation around this new book, Angela, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Sure. So, Todd, as you mentioned, I'm the CEO of Personify Leadership, which is a leadership development company. We use the metaphor of the body to talk about what it takes to lead the heart of a leader, the spine of a leader, the feet of a leader, and many other competencies. And actually, the the courageous leader came and was derived from the spine of a leader, which is to be courageous in tough times. And so I have been coaching leaders globally for many years now and have collected a lot of stories around courage and what's required for leaders to be courageous in tough times. And I, I uh, chose the book as a way to, to funnel those stories to a larger audience so that other people could benefit from some of the things I've learned. Outstanding. Well, I, I ask some variation of this question to most of my guests because, like you, most of them have written on a on a topic that, let's just be honest, if you were to go to Amazon and type in books on leadership, there would be countless titles. And so, and then you add courage and overcoming fear to sure. all this. There are endless amounts of titles on Amazon about these ideas. Why did the world need Angela's take on this? <laughs> it's a very good question. Well, I'll start by saying this. The metaphor of the body, of course, there's many different components of leadership that I could have I've written a book on. And uh, when I originally was thinking about it, I was thinking about the heart of a leader. And I was talking to my husband and I said, you know, I'd really like to talk about the heart of a leader and write a book on that because I, I'd like to be known for that. My husband kind of chuckled a little bit and he said, you've got a great heart, sweetie, but that's not what people know you for. So I, I tried not to take offense to that, but he <laughs> went on to describe that he felt like what I had to really contribute and share about my own personal leadership experience, as well as what I have shared with him over the years that I've learned from other leaders, is really around courage. So I think what makes this book unique, um, obviously the topic is not, but what is unique is that there... This is a way to bring very personal and real everyday leader scenarios to the world. I think we, you know, we get a lot of the idea and the topic of courage when we listen to Colin Powell or we listen to, you know, other political leaders or or military leaders that talk to us about some real tough challenges that they face. But what about the courage that comes to us in more innocuous ways every day? And that's what I tackle in a very personal way in this book. 
Well, and we're going to dive into that later in this conversation, this idea of, yeah, we're not talking about courageous leaders facing a very critical crisis management challenge. We're talking about daily stuff, and that's where this thing really becomes important. So now, Angela, I have been studying leaders and leadership for a long, long time, particularly on this network, and we had a lot of conversations about it. We published a lot of series about leadership and leadership development. I have come to the conclusion that a leader, by definition, is courageous. And so what I, what I guess where I'm going with this, with this question is, I think there are a lot of leaders out there who may say, well, sure, I'm courageous, but they're really not. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, how big a problem is that? I think one of the biggest problems in business is that we have people that are in leadership positions that are anything but courageous. Can, yes. How big of a problem is this? Yeah, I actually find it to be exceptionally challenging for leaders to be courageous, which is, you know, when I looked at the research that I've collected over years and years of studying the behaviors and the patterns of leaders, you know, this was a a, a major blocker. So let me start by answering that question, Todd, by defining courage for you and the way that I use it in the book. So I define courage as what moves us to action in the face of tough times I define tough times as situations or people that cause us some level of discomfort or pain. And of course, we all have different pain thresholds and different things that cause us different levels of pain. So if you think about it on that scale of zero to 10, when you go to the doctor and they say, what's your pain level? You know, zero is no pain. Five is, you know, this is very uncomfortable. And 10 is the worst pain I've ever felt. You know, most leaders will will embrace courage when it's, you know, maybe a one, two or three. And, and that's where they stop, you know, and what I believe is courageous is when we feel that pain come on and we're willing to push past it anyway and do the right thing or do what our people and organization need of us in the face of that discomfort and pain. To me, that's courageous. And there's a lot of benefit when, to organizations when leaders do that, but there's also a lot of backlash, inefficiencies, you know, major traumatic events sometimes that happen when leaders don't, because usually that's when we have to, you know, we have to stand up for something that's really tough. Well, a thousand years ago, when I started this company and this network, the the centerpiece of it is Intrepid. So the company's Intrepid Media. And my, my original thought behind calling it that was, I want people to be fearless, well, mm, I was young, well, I was young and naive, as I came to find out, as I thought you could, <laughs> you could put aside fear and, and become fearless. Well, I've discovered that, no, you can't be fearless. We all feel fear, even as you like to talk, you know, the Navy SEAL types of people, they, they feel exactly. fear too, where you become courageous, and this is how I define it, which is in essence what you said was, oh, no, this is someone who feels fear, but they still go forward. Now, most of us will feel fear and we pause and we're paralyzed and we don't take action. We hide and we watch Netflix all night long and don't live and engage <laughs> in life. So this is the difference, right? I mean, it, it's, it's you, if you're expecting to live life, if you're expecting to work in business and develop a career and lead yourself, lead an organization, lead a team, you're never going to be fearless. There's always going to be something. The, the key here is you just have to, you got to keep going forward. And as you say, you have to learn how to accept pain. Talk more about that. Yeah, well, I think about it, courage is a muscle that we build. And we can, you know, we can either feel that pain and the process of building that 
courageous muscle and assume that's our body's white flag of surrender and give up or as a message that we're on the right track and to keep doing more of it. And, you know, and and I use the term pain and, and I think people sometimes have a negative reaction to that. But if you think about, you know, again, the idea of building a muscle, once we've built a muscle, the pain doesn't really exist anymore to the same degree that it did before. We only have pain when we take that, you know, building our muscle up to the next level. So what I've found in watching leaders who are truly effective across the board and all different types of challenges that might come up in the workplace is that they, even if they fear the pain or they feel the pain, we don't necessarily see that because in a way they've built a tolerance for it. They've done it enough times, enough repetitions that they recognize this is just part of what goes into being a courageous leader. And it, it becomes kind of a natural behavior for them. And, and it, as in return, they're role modeling to other people in the organization that that's possible, that they can do that too. And that is really empowering. Well, what I've learned, again, through my long time examination of leaders is that when you get to a point where you are feeling fear or you're encountering pain, what you what a, what a good leader will do is recognize that as a sign of an opportunity. All right, there mm-hmm. there's a chance for me to really boldly lead here. There's a chance for me to do something important to move the organization forward or there's clearly a problem here. So let's fix it. I mean, is that the, I mean, I think you shouldn't shy away from fear because, you know, the obstacle is the path, right? Absolutely. And just as you said, it could be an indication that there's something that needs to be fixed. It can also be an indication that we've found and tapped into a part of us that needs to be developed. You know, I I think kind of going to another topic that's really popular in leadership right now, emotional intelligence, when we feel fear and we feel that pain and we, we're fearful of it, that's an indicator that we need to pay attention. Um, so there might be a problem that needs to be fixed. There might be something we need to do differently. And once we've evaluated that, we might realize there's no threat here. I'm just feeling some level of discomfort because this is new for me. And then that becomes the opportunity that you're talking about, Todd. All right. So paying paying attention to the motion is so critical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right, Angela and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, I'm back with Angela Sibeli. She's the CEO of Personify Leadership and the author of a new book called The Courageous Leader. So you said something that I hadn't really thought of before, that all people have an equal access to courage. I've never really thought about that. Explain that more, and, and I guess that leads to a conversation that we all can be courageous, but a lot of us, a lot of us aren't. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I do believe that. And, and going back to personified leadership and the model that we use in our training program, you know, 
the body focused competency metaphor, the metaphor of the body is very universal, which means we all have access to it. And so this idea of courage and being a courageous leader is something we all have access to. And I think that we, I think there's this kind of myth that you have to be the Navy SEAL of the workplace in order to be courageous. And that's not true. At any level, at any point, we can choose to engage courage. And it might look different for me than it'll look for you. And that's okay. I may not be ready to engage courage and taking a stand on a tough issue in the middle of a very difficult meeting where I'm pretty junior, but I might in that meeting be willing to add my opinion and that might be courageous enough for me at that point. And so that's what I want people to start thinking about when they read this book is that I can engage courage at the point where I'm ready. And when I do that, kind of going back to this metaphor of the, of the muscle, that will feel more comfortable for me and I'll feel more emboldened to take the riskier step the next time. Well, you touched on this at the top half of the show, but let me let me dive back into it because the book shares tools to develop your courage. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's too many people think, well, I'm either courageous or I'm not. I mean, this is a skill that you can develop, right? Yes, absolutely. And so and I'm actually really glad you mentioned that because, again, going back to the fact that this is such a popular topic, I think there's a lot of books written on courage that are very inspirational. And yet, as much as I believe this book is inspirational, it is also very strategic and provides a lot of how-tos. And that comes from, again, having worked with leaders and very specific challenges. And then how do they how do they build that courageous muscle? How do they actually do things differently? So let me give you an example. I talk about eight different aspects of courage or areas of leadership that takes courage. One, for example, is delegation. It takes courage to delegate because it requires the leader to to be vulnerable enough to empower someone else. And that vulnerability is, is painful. It's putting your own reputation on the line to give somebody else the opportunity to develop a skill. So again, I'm using that that definition of you know willingness to move into that area of discomfort or pain as it relates to delegation. So then in the book, I go through some very specific, okay, how do I do that then? How do I do this in a way that minimizes some of that discomfort and also empowers me to be effective at it so I feel confident to try more and do more the next time. Well, what is the delegation doom loop and how it <laughs> relates to, I think I have an idea, yeah. but, but I think, and I think I know you're going to go with that, but what is that? So the idea of that, and, and that came again from um, coaching many leaders and seeing them fall into this path of, you know, they choose not to delegate because they don't have people on their bench, if you will, that are prepared, that have the skill, that are they feel as trustworthy in order to delegate too. Well, by not delegating and giving those um, team members the opportunity to develop skill, they remain unskilled and therefore the leader continues this cycle of not delegating to them. So it becomes this doom loop in which they are only perpetuating their own problem where they don't have people prepared and trustworthy enough to take on the responsibility. That's where the courage comes in. In order to break that doom loop, they have to be in a position to choose some level of risk. And they can mitigate that risk, and I go through some strategies on how to do that, but what can they do here to empower and develop other people so that they get out of this loop? 
And it's funny, I was coaching one leader who was taking over an entire organization. He was actually becoming an owner, but he'd been this amazing operational leader for many years and carried a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. The organization had grown three times in that the size in that period of time that he was leading it. Now he was going to be owner. He had nobody else to fill his shoes. And I was going through the doom loop with him. And of course, it completely resonated. And he said, you know, Angela, this is not the doom loop. This is a stupid loop. And I'm getting out of this stupid loop. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Well, so lest someone be listening to this and say, okay, well, I'm just going to start getting courageous and I'm going to start rhinocerosing through myself through the office and just being this bull in the china shop and, and taking bold, aggressive action. Humility still plays an important role in this, right? Help us understand how you can be humble, but yet still a courageous leader. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up, Todd. One of the aspects of courage is the courage to be humble. And what I talk about there is that there's, a again, going back to this idea of pain, there's some level of discomfort or pain, and that's the definition of courage, willingness to move to action in spite of that. When we humble ourselves enough to take feedback or input or say, I'm not right and I don't have the answers, but you, my employee, you do, and I'm going to follow you in this instance, or to ask for help from a peer who I may not have gotten along with in the past, that really requires a tremendous amount of humility. And there's some, again, there's some vulnerability and pain in that. And um, leaders that I've seen who have been successful long-term are not only confident and, and appreciate their own contributions and their own needs, but they're willing to reach out to other people for help when they need it. They're willing to say, I don't have all the answers. And I, I think that kind of humility is overlooked a lot in, in courageous leadership. Well, and it leads to two other very important outcomes, being more authentic mm-hmm. and more importantly, in my opinion, more trustworthy. Now, how important is trust in a leadership role? You know, so so That's humility really goes a long way towards, in my view, anyway, of, of, of helping you achieve those outcomes. You know, I, lest there be someone listening who still is trying to figure out how to be courageous uh, more regularly in an office environment, I, I think feedback, both mm-hmm. giving and receiving, probably more likely towards receiving is where more, more people are not courageous. But that's an important area to be courageous in. Can you help us understand why feedback is such a a tremendous opportunity to be courageous? Yeah, absolutely, Todd. Well, I think there's where I've seen leaders stall probably most consistently as in their lack of willingness to provide feedback. For many years before I, I got into coaching, I spent a lot of time facilitating in the classroom. And most of the time, the topic that I facilitated was around courageous conversations, how to really step up and have difficult, tough conversations with your team. And whether whether it be your direct report, whether it be your peers or your boss. And we would go through for two days a series of skills of how to, people were motivated, they had the tools now, they had role-played these conversations. And then I would check back with them you know, several weeks later and most of them, nine out of 10, would not have had the conversation that they were in, they were motivated and had the ability to, to have, or at least not the version that they were planning. And that, to me, is where courage comes in, that they did not move to action. And that, that really comes down to, you know, did I have the willingness to experience that discomfort and pain to have that conversation? And that's where people get stalled. 
On the other other hand of that is not only not having the conversations, but creating an environment in which people know it's safe to provide the leader feedback. And that's another significant issue in organizational life is, you know, we don't give feedback, but we also don't necessarily receive feedback well. And when we're not open to it, and we send a negative message to our people that we're not willing to be open to feedback, it creates this kind of underground water cooler conversations that happen where the most critical information that needs to get up to a leader stays underground. And unfortunately, you've got these you know, very empowered um, leaders who are making very crucial decisions for the organization that don't have the necessary information they need because they haven't demonstrated the courage to receive feedback well and the right information is not getting to them. Well, it also goes back to our conversation around humility, too, right? I mean, if you're a humble, authentic, trustworthy leader, it makes it a lot easier to both for that person to give feedback and also to receive it, right? It, absolutely. So the receiving part, because they're humble and they're open to it. And then to give it, you know, think about being on the other side of that. If you, if this is a humble leader who has been willing to take your feedback and they're now giving you feedback, you trust them, you believe in them, you know their intentions are good, and they've also role modeled to you that they can they can receive feedback well. So you're going to be far more willing to receive that feedback from them as well. Yeah, so interesting to think of this around courage because it really is a courageous act to do what we've been talking about. It's fascinating. Now, we touched on this at the very top of the show, this idea that this courageous leadership doesn't only come when times are really tough. If you have an international recall on a product, it is not the signal, okay, time for courageous leadership. No, this has to happen day after day after day. Talk about that. I worry that someone's going to say, well, wait a minute, I don't understand how I could be courageous every single day. Well, yeah. And I think that when we look at the different aspects of courage, like we've just talked about some of them, you know, giving, receiving feedback, delegation, humility, confidence, you start to see that all of these different aspects require some level of courage. And so it is a real day-to-day muscle that we use. And you mentioned, Todd, as we were starting this, that you know, leadership in and of itself takes courage. We don't necessarily realize that when we step into a leadership role. I think sometimes leaders um, move into that role because they're excited about the title or they're excited about the paycheck, and they only realize later that courage is involved in all of these different aspects. It's much easier, I think, at times to be in an individual contributor role where we're only responsible for ourselves the discomfort and pain comes when we're willing to accept responsibility for something bigger than us. And every single day, there's some little to large challenge that we're faced with because we're talking about being responsible for something bigger than than you and me. We're talking about a team, an organization, and um, what happens as a result of the, the what seem like small choices that add up over time. We have a responsibility to that. That's leadership. Yep, yep. And to tie it back into how this is tied into our physical selves, this is a muscle that has to be exercised every day, right? This is doing it every day makes you much stronger and much in a better position to when you do have a very significant crisis that requires courageous leadership, right? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. I think about that the, a large part of the what I do for a living is public speaking and going out and on a speaking circuit. And when I haven't done it for a while, you know, I've had a few months off and I get back into the swing of things, those first couple of times, it, you know, it's like rebuilding that muscle. I, I feel a little bit of those butterflies in my stomach. 
And that's an indication to me that I have to rebuild that muscle. But once you get in the flow of it, there's confidence and courage that come, you know, we're encouraged and we're inspired in, in the face of that pain. Well, this very much is a momentum sport too. So good stuff. <laughs> Well, Angela, goodness, I could go down a dozen uh, rabbit holes here and extend this conversation another couple hours. Unfortunately, we are about out of time for today. So before I let you go, a couple of things, please. Uh, should anyone have any questions, how can they contact you? Where can they learn more about Personify Leadership? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of The Courageous Leader? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you can um, easily go to Personify Leadership. Dot com as well as angelasebly.com s-e-b-a-l-y and um and purchase your copy of book there you can also go to barnes and noble and it'll be listed there as well so hopefully again this gets into the hands of many leaders and they have the opportunity to embrace their courage muscle and look at courage differently angela Sebley, the ceo of personify leadership and the author of a new book called the courageous leader how to face any challenge and lead your team to success Angela, great pleasure to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you, Todd, for having me. My pleasure. All right, guys, all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Angela Sibley, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.